everyone, welcome to another episode of the Sacred Mondays podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about business and faith and how we can live on mission for Jesus while building a business. This week I'm talking to Harrison Young. Harrison is a good friend of mine who has his own surfboard shaping business and has recently made a surfing documentary. So we talk about his business and his movie, but we also go pretty deep into his journey to Christianity. Harrison grew up Mormon and he shared very openly and honestly about his journey of faith, which is why this episode is a bit longer than normal. I found his story very interesting and I hope you do too. Harrison, thank you so much for taking the time to be here with me. No worries. Yeah. Can you just Pleasure. quickly explain what you do? Sure. Um, I do... I For work, I uh, glass surfboards, so like yeah the laminating stage of the surfboard building process so after the board has been shaped and then it needs to be coated in fiberglass and resin and so i spend three days a week like working in a factory um doing the glassing stage of that and then the other days i work on my own surfboard business where i'm focusing on the actual shaping of the surfboard and and designing of it have you always been into surfing um yeah more or less i sort of grew up very into board sports and would switch from one thing to another and mm. it was kind of like um yeah skateboarding and then wakeboarding and then snowboarding and then motocross and then back to skateboarding and my dad always my dad surfed and uh he would take us to the beach relatively often and kind of push us into waves and I feel like any dad who surfs like wants to get their kids into it but mm. sometimes or probably often kids like don't really like it because it's pretty daunting yeah um so yeah like here and there I would surf but not really until I was 15 and then I had a friend who got me into it like he was going a lot and kind of forcing me in a way to come with him and then i eventually got, got hooked on it yeah. yeah so what was it about surfing that made you hooked on it uh well i can't really exactly say well, i honestly think it's a bit of an addiction and it, it's <laughs> sort of like could be not classed as a drug but like it is something that uh, you have to keep in check as far as uh, it's a worldly pursuit, you know, like it's a self-pleasing act mm. <laughs> of just having fun all the time because it is really fun. So you do, yeah, I feel like you need to make sure you're not, um, yeah, just revolving your whole world around it. But I guess the initial question, what was what yeah what do i like about it it's just it's just awesome it's just like one you're in you're in nature you're in the water it feels incredibly refreshing it's good um mentally to just get out there and be in the elements in the water but then also it's um it's extremely challenging like and it's endlessly challenging like every wave is different and for me, like the design and shaping element of it, trying to get the surfboards to allow me to go where I want on the wave um, mm. and push 
my ability further and further it's kind of like yeah every day I wake up and um yeah there's a new challenge with it basically yeah so did you ever like want to go pro did you ever want to be a pro yeah. surfer yeah that's a um that's a funny question because to be honest I would say I haven't actually given up that dream yet okay. <laughs> <laughs> even though I'm 28 so I feel like it's starting to it's starting to get on um but yeah for sure when I was a teenager like 15 16 17 I thought about it a lot and I was um yeah like working towards getting better and better and thinking about how could I go pro but I never really uh liked competing that much mm. probably just because I wasn't good enough there's a lot of people way better mm. but um yeah yes I, I definitely have wanted that and to be honest still see um for me like the being able to surf well and shape boards mm. is a um realm of there's not there's a there's a lot of people but there's not that many who have the ability to like shape shape a surfboard and then take it out into the water and really push it to its limit mm. um versus like people who get professional at at just surfing without shaping the boards and so they can spend all their time on just surfing and they take that to an insane level i would never be professional in that regard but in the regard of you know shaping boards and redesigning things to make them go and then having the ability to test it to a certain extent kind mm -hmm. of uh yeah i guess it's my goal as far as being professional to to take that to like a professional level mm. if that makes sense yeah and to me like the word being pro is i guess doing that to an extent that people it's like a you're a professional in that area and people want to buy your surfboards because they see mm -hmm. you know the the level of professionalism that's gone into it and how yeah you've designed it and also backed up what it can do mm. so you don't want to like go into like surfing competitions and yeah correct i'm yeah. not interested in that mm. but as far as um there's there's a handful of people who make a good living off they'll have a sponsorship so like a clothing label that sponsors them or provides them an income to shape surfboards yeah. and also ride them and obviously the the business model there is it's like marketing and advertising so they're just a ambassador for that that company and mm. people um yeah people are obviously influenced by that and so there's a yeah there's a professional role there but as far as competing definitely not mm. <laughs> that's like that's just yeah comp surfing is on a whole gnarly another level where it's anyway yeah, we can yeah. go into that for a long time, but yeah. I, mean, I don't know much about surfing, but I feel like when I watch you surf, yeah, it looks more like an art. But when I look like competitions, they're kind of just like ripping around on the waves, and just looks very different. Yeah, there's um, there's a lot of. Uh, I think competition surfing has a hard time being defined because it is so subjective of mm -hmm. like what's, you know, what is good surfing, um, and like you said some people make it look like an art and to me that's 
um, that's more the goal, I guess. My like my goal is to the I guess the way I approach it because you can go down the the road of like it's just art mm. <laughs> and you're just making it look good. Yeah. But I think the two worlds need to blend. Like you need to make it look good, and you also need need it to be like highly functional, as mm. in you're pushing yourself to the like to the ultimate limit (laughs) Mm. but still in a way that is smooth and i think the best surfing naturally those two things come together because when you're dealing with waves and like the way to ride them correctly it's it's usually using like the most um like the way you get energy out of a wave is using the wave Mm. and when you're fighting against it you're not usually tapping into like the actual energy source and i'm not talking in a spiritual sense i'm talking in like a um, physics sense of Mm. like the way the wave is breaking you need to be in the right spot and usually like waving your arms around too much is not doing that right Mm. so what looks um, pretty or like art is generally that minimalistic approach which is actually the right approach to getting the most out of a wave Mm. Anyway, I could talk about this for a long time, so she probably cut me off. Yeah, but when the did you start, yeah. Like, anyway, <laughs> when did you start shaping surfboards? Um, I was very interested in surfboard design. Mm. I was quite obsessive about it, and I'd research, just like look at all the different uh, models that the big labels and other shapers were coming up with, and I would constantly. Like I, I was at the point where you could name like a major label and I would know like all of their boards and the differences between them. Mm. And uh, yeah, I just loved it. I was just very interested. And, um, but it's expensive to like buy them, but I had like the desire to write them all and to know, you know, what, what are these different things doing? Like, what do they make the board feel like and how do they make it um, work? And so yeah, it was sort of like, uh, yeah, it was that intrigue of like wanting to figure things out, but you can't just buy boards. So you uh, need to make them yourself. And yeah, so I started shaping them and then it's kind of, yeah, just that, constant pursuit now of refining it and making it better and better starts as like figuring out how to just make a decent board Mm. and then it's like you get some control over being able to shape the foam to how you want it it's like doing a painting you know you could imagine the piece of art that you want to come up with (laughs) but Mm. when you actually put the brush to the canvas it's very difficult to arrive there like it's easy to see it it's hard to get it done yeah and and shaping a board is the same like you can envision what you want but using the tools to modulate the foam and get it to where you want is actually uh, quite difficult so yeah that's why I got into it and sort of yeah mm. so when you started shaping did you think that that was like what you wanted to do for work um, I yeah yeah i i kind of uh i guess like most of us 
I grew up, um, you know, you get going to school and then sort of like, what are you going to do at uni afterwards and following an academic path. And I thought shaping was cool, but I couldn't uh, really see a career in it just because it wasn't, I don't know, I just felt like my upbringing didn't put it on my scope of like legitimate, mm. viable um, career paths. And to be honest, I'm still not sure that it is, but um, yeah, it just got to a point where I, I was kind of looking at other things. I was looking at studying optometry and yeah, even just like looking into the courses <laughs> that I would maybe take was sort of giving me a headache. <laughs> and so I kind of realized, um, yeah, I kind of just accepted or realized that my gifts and talents are in the creative realm and I just wanted to I guess believe in myself and back myself that I could do it and if I'm going to do it do it professionally and do it to the best of my ability so Mm. yeah that was kind of that point where I go I could make a career out of this and do it properly and I have the interest and I feel like yeah just the interest and the ability to pour the mental time into it once I realized that then it was like yeah I could do this as a career Mm. so like when did you figure out that you wanted to start your own business um I think most shapers start out as hobbyists where they're doing it for themselves Mm. but it's relatively expensive hobby because you paying for the materials to build the board and say that's uh, four or five hundred dollars for one surfboard and you build it and as soon as you ride it you're ready for the next one because Mm. you've just learnt everything that you would change Um, and so I feel like the business comes as a necessity to like I need to fund building more Mm. Um, so yeah for me it was kind of I would say, yeah, the business side of things was almost a necessity, but kind of grows naturally as well because, you know, you build a board and you ride it and then you'll sell that board. Mm. But as you're going through that process, your boards are getting better and better to the point where people start recognizing it and wanting them. Mm. So, yeah, I would say kind of always knew it was a, potential opportunity but it's kind of like a natural progression of seeing how it could be possible Mm. Mm. so you grew up in the mormon church and your family is mormon can you tell me about like your journey from being a mormon to becoming a christian i don't even know if like you consider (laughs) mormon christian or like yeah Yeah. can you just speak about that yeah sure um yeah that's a very uh, that's a very good point that you bring up the uh, Mormon Christian differentiation, mm. um, which I suppose I should start with maybe even addressing that mm. because um, I guess coming out of Mormonism and uh, I don't know, it, yeah. I think one thing it did it taught me was that we're not the judge mm. of um, and I say that with 
like caution because I do think we're also called to um, not like reprimand each other but if a friend of yours is going down a certain path I think we're called to say hey that that might not be right you know mm -hmm. keep each other in check and be responsible for each other yeah. um, but as far as being the judge of who's in and who's out yeah I don't think that that's our God doesn't call us to do that I believe that yeah he's the one looking on the hearts of people mm. um, and he's the one who knows who's pursuing him so when it comes down to uh, who's saved and who's not and are Mormons Christian are they not are they saved are they not I put myself personally in the category of I, I don't know yeah. and I leave that up to God and allow him to be the judge of that mm. but when it comes down to what evidence do we have of what's true um, and what's not I'll draw lines there mm. so um, yeah and I guess for me that telling the story of my um, walk of faith and feel free to ask any questions or stop me if you need clarification on things because the the whole um, yeah I guess going from being Mormon to Christian is so deep and so complex and that it's so multifaceted mm. as in there's so many points of doctrine and theology that are like yeah um, just different mm. and so you kind of yeah, when you go from one to the other, you really need to assess them all mm. and uh, and answer like questions for all of them. So it takes time and, um, yeah, it's a very hard and challenging experience. But um, so for me, I, yeah, I grew up in the Mormon church and I have, um, yeah, my, my mother and father, both Mormon, they're... Um, they're, both of their parents were like converts to the uh, LDS church, the Mormon church. And mm. they, so they, my parents grew up in it as well. And uh, they raised us in it. I have three brothers and one sister. So we all grew up Mormon. And I was like any kid, you know, you grow up and your, your parents obviously teach you what they believe to be true, which I think is great and obviously makes sense. Like mm -hmm. any parents do that. Yeah. And I have the utmost respect for my parents and I'm actually extremely thankful for my upbringing and, um, yeah, like Mormons have an incredible, uh, desire for righteousness and to, yeah, to be just good people. And they instilled that into me. And I think that, that, um, is largely why. I had the interest or desire to go deep into what was true and to look at things and I only want I only want like the truth in my life I'm not interested in trying to play some role that I don't think is is real mm. um, but yeah anyway so I grew up Mormon and I did oh yeah I was saying the natural course of your a teenager and you go through that stage where you question what's true and I went through that and uh, did sort of uh, what you're, you're told to do 
to pray about it and find the truth for yourself. Don't just rely on your parents. Mm. And yeah, I had prayed about it and I believed that the Mormon church was true. I believed that Joseph Smith was a prophet. And um, so I was like, I wasn't someone who was like to and fro or sort of dabbling in one world. I was Mormon and devout and um, yeah, believed it. Mm. And and I feel like as well, a lot of Christians, um, they do put Mormons in this sort of wacky category. Mm. <laughs> and it's just because they don't understand it without understanding that these people like believe in Jesus. They yeah. believe in God. And they're truly like seeking after Jesus. And, and they have no reason to believe that there's anything wrong about what they believe until mm. someone comes along and, and really shows you like I completely understand why why people stay Mormon and until you're outside of it and look at for look at it from a different lens, it's very difficult to uh see why it could be wrong. Mm. Um so yeah, that was the, that was where I was at. And so for me it was like I had this relationship with God and um believed I was on the right path until I met uh or not until I met, but I met I had like a few Christian people um, who I was around, but we none of them had I ever really talked to about our um, differences in belief until I met uh, Sierra, who's now my wife. And uh, we just got chatting and we we're basically trying to convert each other. Mm. <laughs> and so that whole process, yeah, I was trying to convert her she was Christian trying to convert me and it ended up in this place of we were both basically just digging ourselves deeper into what we already believed mm. until we got to a point um, where I feel like that showed me a little bit of we can convince ourselves of whatever we want, yeah. really. Mm. But to, um, yeah, but to like actually let it go and go what's true regardless of the cost and regardless of what I think I might know. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it, it took me a while to get, get to that point. Mm. And then once I did and I was like, I guess, uh, open and willing to, to be wrong. And I should say, what got me to that point was a series of she would ask me a question about mormonism mm. i would not know the answer i would go and i would research it try and find the answer and i would come up with something that was unsatisfactory in the sense of i would learn something about mormonism that would make me go that is not okay mm but I don't know how to reconcile it at this point. Mm. I'll just put it aside for now and keep going on and work on it. But over time, it got to the point where I had you know, 10 to 20 of the, these things yeah. that were like, that's not okay, but I'll put it aside. And so one day it was like, kind of felt like I was standing in a place with two sides <laughs> mm. 
And now I was looking, it was, like, it was like a moment where all of a sudden I was like, hang on a second. I now have, yeah, I'm calling myself Mormon, but I have all of these things I cannot reconcile. Mm. And why am I, why am I still holding on to it? Because um, I, I just can't agree with these things that I have learnt or found. And so the question of why am I still holding on to it came to where does my standard of truth fall? Like where does, where do we get truth from in a sense? And, um, and that was probably the key thing that I realised about Mormonism. That's, um, yeah, so Mormons base their faith on an ex- uh, on a, a spiritual experience mm. and so it's based on uh yeah feeling and emotion and the, and and the, how that comes about is uh through the book of mormon or like when you're told to gain your own testimony of it or gain your own testimony of the truth of the mormon church the way that you do that is by praying and the holy spirit will tell you mm. in your heart through a feeling um yeah they often describe it as a a warm and fuzzy feeling Mm. that comforting feeling from god that yeah this is true and so uh, mormons will say i've had like received a spiritual witness that this is true Mm. um but i basically came to realize that we can't base our truth on a feeling and people from all religions (laughs) experience great feelings and emotions and Mm. spiritual experiences that would lead them to believe in something but that doesn't mean that it's true especially in light of evidences that would point to something being untrue so to say i can't agree with these things but i've had a spiritual experience and that trumps everything i started to realize that that was wrong and um biblically yeah i don't know (laughs) it's it's there's so much to unpack here and um yeah i think i i feel like i want to open like a couple of scriptures that that kind of led me down that path of establishing truth and jeremiah 17 9 says the heart is deceitful above all things and that's um you know i don't i don't i don't want to take uh anything out of context so go and read the passage but basically you know i think we can all agree with that in mm-hmm. the heart your heart can tell you <laughs> what it what it wants to and relying on your emotions and and realizing that the heart like your own heart is deceitful above all things is uh quite important and then first john uh, 4 verse 1 he says beloved do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from god for many false prophets have gone out into the world um yeah by this you know the spirit of god every spirit that confesses that jesus christ has come in the flesh is from god um so yeah just the idea of do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from god those two things started to really ring true to me as in um yeah it doesn't make sense to base 
an emotional response or let an emotional response or feeling trump uh, what's true. So then you ask the question, well, how do we know what's true? Yeah. And that's where I, that's where you kind of, I guess, become like everyone else searching for what's true. And I was asking myself, well, I have these questions about my own faith and things that I can't reconcile in the Mormon church or that I don't agree with. However, that doesn't make Christianity true. It just means, do you know what I mean? It wasn't like just because the origin of me questioned these things came from a Christian girl. It doesn't mean what she's saying is right. Um, And so I stripped back to uh, just a view of, well, where is truth? And uh, looking at that on a whole, and I listened to heaps of different stuff. And to me, I, uh, when I look at the world around me and creation, it definitely uh, begs for a creator, I believe. And I think, yeah, just the world in motion. And it makes sense that there would be a God, someone behind it, to put all these things into order. I guess the order and the like complexity of life and even the origin of life, all of those things to me, uh, sc- scream that there is a God. And, and the other, uh, yeah, the other side of that argument, I find you almost need more faith to believe it. Mm. Um, not to be said that there's definitely a faith element in believing in God. Uh, but yeah, so I basically go from a belief in God. I can see from everything around me that something must have created this. And then looking at, um, has this God revealed himself to the, to the world Mm -hmm. that I know and, uh, looking at that and it didn't, I wouldn't say it didn't take me too long of researching and looking around to, uh, yeah, see Christianity as the answer to that, mm. as as God revealing Himself to the world, yeah. as who He is. Um, and the reasons for that, a lot of it, yeah, there's a lot of reasons. But one key thing as well was the the biblical, I guess, um, the miracle of the Bible, and just the historicity of it, yeah. and. Um, yeah, which was an interesting thing for me uh, coming out of Mormonism because Mormons believe the Bible to be true as long as it's translated correctly. Mm. But there's a lot in the Bible that disagrees with Mormon theology. And so when anything disagrees, they'll say, oh, well, that part may not be translated correctly. Mm. But the more I looked into the Bible, the more I realised one, the miracle of it, and two, uh, I guess the, what's the word, like the, all the people working to translate and create these translations and their, um, their background, their education, you know, hundreds of scholars working to get this right. And it made me realize that yeah, it was amazing that this book exists and how accurate it is and how 
um, the like there's essentially no major doctrinal discrepancies mm. yes Christians um, can have different ideas and interpretations about some or many verses but the fundamental doctrines are all agreed and so yeah that was eye-opening to me to see that the bible um is god's word and basically he's preserved it and made it available to us and that that was to be the standard of truth and so yeah kind of made me realize that in mormonism i was discrediting the miracle of god's word and how he had preserved it and how he had you know made it say what it says and made it available for us now and you and you can do the you know you can look at the apologetics of the bible and go through and see all of that and research it for yourself but um yeah that was that was a key thing for me um i guess i should point out that the i mean what am i really talking about when i say there was issues in mormonism that i couldn't stand behind Mm. and for me um well there's a whole there's a whole plethora but essentially any religion uh, in a way basically stands or falls on its founder and um, so it kind of stands or falls on on Joseph Smith who was the uh, the claimed prophet prophet who restored uh, God's church or at least that's the the claim of the uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints more commonly known as the Mormon church. Um, So it's just, yeah, looking at Joseph Smith's life and you kind of, I wouldn't say that the church portrays an inaccurate um, depiction of Joseph Smith now, but certainly a very watered down one, Mm. which you could argue is inaccurate um, to to not be giving the full truth. And you get taught growing up as a Mormon that there's anti-Mormon literature and it's lies and you shouldn't get caught up in it. And there's definitely a feeling of, oh, just don't don't bother looking at that stuff. Like, it's not worth it. But um, when I, I guess, had this realisation of, like, I should not be afraid of the truth and I shouldn't be afraid to research anything. And, and you know, the truth, the truth will set you free rather than being bound to something and not willing to figure out if it's uh, right or wrong. Mm. Anyway, there's, there's just a lot um, in Joseph Smith's life that really begs the question of, um, I mean, and Jesus says, you know, uh, regarding false prophets, you'll know them by their fruit. Mm. And Mormons argue that he has a lot of good fruit because there's a lot of, very good people in the Mormon church today and they do a lot of great humanitarian work Um, but when you look at his actions like Joseph Smith's actions in his life and yeah the fruit that came from that with things such as uh, polygamy and it's not just um, it's not just multiple wives 
but it's telling women who are already married to other men that they need to be married to him. Mm. Um, yeah, it goes so much further than that. Mm. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a deep look into, um, and even like polygamy was practiced in secret for 10 years before it ever was announced to the church as a thing that they were uh, doing or that they were expected to be a part of. Um, but there's a, there's a later Mormon prophet called Joseph Fielding Smith. And uh, he has a cool quote, which I did want to read. He says, Mormonism must stand or fall on the story of Joseph Smith. He was either a prophet of God, divinely called, properly appointed and commissioned, or he was one of the biggest frauds this world has ever seen. There is no middle ground. If Joseph was a deceiver, then he should be exposed. His claim should be refuted and his doctrine should be false. Um, basically, it's sort of a good thing having, you know, a Mormon prophet say, mm. say that or open that up to people to say, hey, this stands on the credibility of this man. And yeah. so research it because a lot of the time you feel like you shouldn't or it's just silly to. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess having that freedom to look it up, research it and find where I stood, I basically had all these things that I could no longer say, yes, I, I back and stand behind a man who was telling other married women that they needed to be sealed to him for all time and eternity. And Mormons, I guess they play issues off that, like they play issues off like that now by saying, um, he, he didn't know, or he was mistaken. Like we're not perfect. He had, he had made mistakes, but I say that's a very large mistake to be claiming that God has told you and the, and the stories are, I think he had like 37, I can't remember exactly, so I shouldn't say numbers, but it was something like 37 wives, 18 of which married to other men. Mm. Um, and, the, and the stories are uh, like the accounts of the wives, some of them saying that he told them that an angel with a flaming sword appeared to him and said that they needed to marry him for their salvation. And I think to myself, you know, if we had a prophet today making those claims, it would be relatively easy to go, hang on a second, like, this is not okay. Yeah. And so for me, I, I will not stand behind that and say, yes, I believe this church should be true and I believe this man to be a man of God. Mm. Um, because the only reason I have to believe that is a spiritual experience because I prayed about it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And it, and it comes back to, yeah, it becomes, comes back to like the source of, of truth. You know, you pray about the Book of Mormon, but then even looking at the Book of Mormon and versus the Bible and, you know, the Book of Mormon is claimed to be written on gold plates. And Joseph Smith was shown where the gold plates were by an angel. He showed 15 other people who wrote down their witness that yes they had seen them and then an angel took them back up to heaven that's the claim of where the book came from mm. versus 
the Bible and the like hundreds of manuscripts, you know, we can historically see where it came from versus a mysterious book that no one has ever seen. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's kind of like the way God operates shown through the Bible versus what happened over here in Mormonism is very secretive and strange. And I basically came to believe um, it is a bit of a mystery of who actually did write the Book of Mormon. Um, and I do think it is a, uh, it's a nice book that tells stories about Jesus, but anyone can write a fictional book about Jesus. Mm. And a lot of, I mean, large portions of the Bible are added into it and it takes the theology and the good teachings of the Bible and puts it into it. So when you read it, you naturally have that great emotional response to reading the teachings of Jesus. But then you're told to take that response, pray about it, and of course you will feel good about it, and then take that good feeling and make that your standard of truth as to why this whole church is true. Mm. So, um, yeah, anyway, I guess, sorry. It's so, it's so long and I have, um, yeah, thanks for I have so much to say about it, but that's only a, a fraction because you have all these different things like, authority um anyway i don't i don't know how much i should go into i should probably probably stop it there but the uh um it is interesting though if i can say all of these things christians do need to uh, i guess wrestle with themselves yeah so like they're all um they're all like theological or doctrinal points of dispute that Christians need to wrestle with. The difference is Mormonism gives you a set doctrine and says, this is what it is. And if you disagree with it, you're wrong. Mm. Whereas I believe like the way God set it up um, through the Bible is that there is only one truth. However, over time, Obviously, people have different interpretations mm. and we are free to wrestle with those or figure them out. And I kind of see those things as being um, mysteries or points of interest that God has created the Bible to be so complex <laughs> that you'll forever be pursuing it and trying to learn. Yeah. Yet the crux of it, the crux of the gospel is so simple that you can get it immediately Mm. so yeah i can understand the confusion um and i definitely i guess sympathize um for like mormonism in having its set ways of how things are Mm. but yeah when the bible clearly shows them to be wrong yes you just have to say where you stand yeah that must have been quite a journey to go on to kind of change a belief that you've kind of held your whole life. Yeah. And also curious, like, how was it for you to, like, tell your friends and family that you wanted to leave the Mormon church? Um, it was, like, probably the most... Uh, the definitely the hardest thing I've um, 
yeah ever had to do because I am not um, one I'm not a confrontational person Mm. and two I have like so much love and respect for my my parents and to know um, like I I really I, I love the sincerity of their hearts and that they I know that like they only want the best of me and what they believe to be true obviously that is the best thing that they believe you know would be best for me mm. so for me to come and say I don't believe this to be true uh, was yeah extremely difficult um, and but it just got to a point where it, it, yeah it was honestly so hard for me to do it um, but it just became an extreme division in my heart of if I don't I know that I am going against God in that I know that this is wrong but I'm just going along with it for the sake of keeping the peace in my family which was honestly like a major um, temptation or something that I um, wanted to do because I did not want to um, disrupt or cause uh, any like extra turmoil or emotional stress for um, yeah for my parents who were already going through a pretty hard time but um, or a very hard time I should say but yeah it's just one of those things where there's no choice really Mm. like if you know it's right you um yeah it's just wrong to avoid it so yeah it's a hard walk i had to go through i think jesus talks about that and he's uh yeah makes it clear you know (laughs) stand where you're going to stand and I guess you can only really lean on, um, I, I just lean on the basis of truth as in, I believe this to be true. And so this decision is for the best. Mm. Um, it doesn't know one any good for me to pretend that I am something that I am not, or that I agree with something that I don't. Mm. And if I do believe it's true, then yeah, I have to, make this decision to tell my parents and to move forward with my life I think um, honestly unfortunately uh, unfortunately because like I mentioned before Sierra was the one that um, I guess opened all of this up because we were talking and having these discussions about faith and the gospel and um, and and I mean all credit to her she was genuinely asking the questions that she would need answered in order to become Mormon and Mm. and those were the questions that led me to um, realize there were some major issues with what I believed but because it was her who started that and her and I went through um, this whole journey of obviously we were great friends and then yeah realizing that we loved each other and then going through the whole um well are we supposed to like do we get married and it 
I completely understand that from an outsider's perspective, it look, I, I look completely blinded by love and that I um, just gave up Mormonism and became Christian um, so that I could be with her. So I think, unfortunately, it gets written off as that. Mm. And because people don't want to uh, challenge their faith or they're, they're so emotionally invested in what they believe that they, they can't handle it being challenged. Mm. And so they don't ask me, hey, why did you leave? They just write it off as, oh, he made this decision so that he could be with her. And I could be wrong about that, but I... Um, think that that largely is people's perception and uh i suppose it's only my job to correct that mm. but it's a little bit difficult when um yeah people don't really want to talk about it so i'm kind of just figuring that out as it goes but yeah very it's a very uh hard thing to go through mm. yeah and how was their like response when you told them um their response was honestly amazing. Like, I, I could not, um, yeah, I couldn't ask for any better response. And it's one of those things where it's like, what well, a lot of people think that if someone leaves Mormonism, there's like rumors of, oh, that person gets like excommunicated from the family and shunned and all of that, which is is so far from the truth. Maybe back in the day that might have happened or it may happen in some circles but I don't believe that um, it's certainly not the teachings that Mormons would be told to deal with it that way and, and that's not what I experienced at all mm. There, theirs was just a genuine hey we don't believe what, what this decision you're making is right and you need to um, properly go and consider it and think about it um, which I did, but and obviously there's a lot of uh, yeah, emotional disrest there as well because I'm coming and saying that I believe what they believe is not true mm. and what they've believed forever, and so, um, but yeah, I suppose I say uh, like it's a it's a funny question because it's like, what do you expect? Yeah, <laughs> of course. Like, in my opinion, they did the absolute best thing in their, um, from where their, their shoes. Mm -hmm. I think that was the most loving thing, um, yeah, that a person could do. And obviously, to be sad about it, you would be. Like, yeah. to them to be sad about my decision. So, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't make it easy. But, yeah, I appreciate and respect their uh, care. Mm. Yeah. yeah i'm curious about like your relationship to jesus and how that's changed mm -hmm. from when you were a mormon to now like because i remember that like you say that you had like a relationship with jesus when mm -hmm. you were a mormon as well yeah so like how has that changed yeah it's a uh, that's a great question um very interesting question something that i uh, yeah, wrestle with or wonder about a lot, but um, yeah, so growing up Mormon, 
and particularly like from I'd say sort of like 16 onwards when you really start owning your faith and pursuing a relationship with God Mm. um, I feel like prior to that it's sort of repetition Mm. (laughs) almost of like doing what you're taught but yeah from 16 onwards and then particularly like my two years of being a Mormon missionary where it's like literally every day you know studying scripture praying like leaning into God seeking revelation having a relationship and also um yeah just experiencing God and and miracles and having um yeah a relationship with God which I don't discredit to this day but now um looking back as a Christian all I can really say to that is I believe that um God sees the person pursuing him and reaches out and his you know ultimate goal is to teach that person all truth but he knows it's you know it doesn't happen in just one download <laughs> mm. so he doesn't just leave you alone until you've sorted out every single little doctrinal thing and corrected your mind on it mm. so i believe that god is um pursuing and having a relationship with me as a mormon and like um many many other mormons today um but becoming a christian was more so a correction of ideas or different yeah ideas or theologies that i had of god and realizing what was true about the nature of god and what was true um yeah about the gospel and all of those things and i feel like that is uh i guess what it really showed me is a lot of us want to have our own idea of god Mm. (laughs) versus basing it on what the bible says you know we yeah we go like oh i want to do this um and my heart feels good about it and god cares about the intent of my heart Mm -hmm. but without realizing that you know your heart can lead you astray and and truth needs to be centered in in god's word and his law and so i feel like now as a christian my relationship with god is that constant um trying to be humble and allow him to show me who he is through his word and also guide my life and and bring yeah i guess sanctify me through learning who he is because i feel like sanctification is basically just uh learning who god is and acting in the way that he would act or have you Mm. you act um so yeah my yeah i would say that is my relationship but i should also say very one very key component or change was the um like revelation of grace and the gospel Mm. and realizing that um yeah god has paid the price of sin here and now and that 
we're completely clean the moment that we are yeah that we um say or know that we believe in him Mm. and just to be able to stand like confidently in the presence of god and sort of team up (laughs) as Mm. a partnership in confidence rather than feeling always feeling like oh i've got these past sins that i don't know like i did i repent enough of those like things that are really hard to let go of realizing that no he's like completely paid the price right now and uh yeah that was uh i guess a big part of the change that happened in me and yeah in my relationship Mm. so good thank you so much for sharing so openly i think we'll move on from like mormonism (laughs) Uh, but I remember a couple of years ago when we were in the same life group, you were like just about starting your surfboard shaping business. Mm-hmm. And like, I remember you were kind of struggling with questions around like whether or not God could be like calling you into becoming a surfboard maker. Yep. Uh, what was that struggle like? And like, did you ever figure out if that's what God <laughs> wanted you to do? Um, yeah yeah that's an interesting one hey uh because obviously you read the bible and there's the great commission go out evangelize um and then everyone has to ask themselves the question of what that looks like Mm. there's sort of like an innate almost maybe it's a cultural thing that feeling that you need to go out and uh move country and spread the gospel far abroad abroad to a foreign people um which i'm definitely not saying no to that and uh open to it but there's also um yeah obviously when you are in your homeland or wherever you're established and building up um god's kingdom in this area sorry that's yeah so the surfboard thing um yeah i am honestly i'm super tentative around this question because Mm. i feel like it's it's too easy it's one of those things that's too easy to say yeah god wants me to do this yeah and so i wouldn't say that i've i definitely have had um I guess like positive confirmation of yep go you know do this like get out there into the board building industry but i think it's more of a um it's more of a just just get out there and be a part of a community and do something regardless of what it what it is it's more of a get out there be with people like do your work and through that you're like naturally going to come across people and and that's how um, you'll have opportunities to spread the gospel so yeah i kind of look at the board building thing and i'm very tentative to say that yes that was a clear revelation from god to me Mm. of like you need to do this and be in this place but it's certainly um yeah i don't feel like i'm being told to do otherwise Mm. and I feel like pressing forward in that and trying to um, 
yeah, I guess be malleable and humble and allow God to work through me in whatever way in, in that industry. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the way I think about it is kind of like if we look at our mission as a whole, like bigger than just the telling people about Jesus, but it's actually about like being the hands and feet of Jesus mm. on earth and like doing the will of God and bringing about the kingdom of God on earth. Yeah. I think that also includes like making surfboards, you know? Yeah. And like also the verse that says like in everything that you do, do it for God. Yeah. Like, when you make surfboards, make them so good that, like, you could ride them in, like, the age to come, you know? Like, yeah, in heaven, yeah. you can, like, ride those surfboards. To, they're that good. Yeah. You're kind of still, like, bringing about the kingdom of God in everything that you do. Yeah. And, like... Yeah, I agree. Paul was a tent maker, I guess. Like yeah, yeah. Tent making and surfboard making. <laughs> same thing. Yeah. Not similarities thing, but <laughs> no but even bringing up paul and like you know how much he prepared for mm. his ministry mm. and that that large time yeah and i sort of um feel there's a big urge especially with young people to sort of jump the gun and get mm-hmm. straight into it and um maybe you went down that path a little bit but mm. definitely feel in this time that it's kind of a good time for me to be mentored and mm-hmm. um yeah try and yeah. gain a bit of yeah, wisdom actually thinking about it when you were talking about the mormonism and how you had so many things to like struggle with like paul like had exactly the same thing mm. like he had to like leave go into the desert for like three years and yeah. just figure everything out yeah and then it's not like he just went from those three years after preaching he actually like he went back to his hom- hometown for like 12 years yeah <laughs> so it's like it takes time to like process everything and yeah we're all like on a journey totally uh you're also working for like a different like glassing company so sherman mm-hmm. glassing company like, yeah are you satisfied with like the combination of working for them three days a week and then working for yourself the rest or would you rather like work for yourself the whole time I'd rather work for myself the whole time. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's definitely work. Mm. Um, But I'm, yeah, I'm thankful for the, I guess, the opportunity in the work that I'm glassing and around surfboards. So it's an education and it's furthering, um, yeah, my skill and ability in that realm. Mm. Um, But yeah, I would love to, work for myself <laughs> mm. do you have like a formulated why for your like young craft your surfboard shaping business like do you have a purpose behind it um yeah <laughs> so to be honest what we we're talking about at the very beginning with um for me it's all about pushing things further mm. and and th- this is the surfing side of it. Yeah. But I'm also being honest because I feel like, you know, we're doing like a Christian podcast talking about God. And so the correct answer to that would be like, <laughs> yes, it's to <laughs> bring Jesus to the world. <laughs> but, <laughs> and there is that element. But like, um, yeah, for me, the building surfboards is definitely, it's surfing related. And my why is to, build yeah quality stuff 
mm. keep furthering the sport. Yeah. However, it's awesome that the why easily translates into you just being a part of the lives of other random people who come in contact yeah. with you through it. Mm. And so, yeah, the honest why of why I do it is like, to, to make the boards and make them good but it just naturally becomes well why would i do this because it does put me in contact with lots of people who i can mm. have conversations with and yeah yeah uh so like what are some of your long-term goals for young craft um surfboard building is like an extremely financially challenging uh job and so I think a lot about the, um, yeah, the finances of it and how it will work and my goals. And I can see a way forward of making it like a proper career. I definitely feel like I have a vision to make that happen. It's a challenge along the way, but... Yeah, so without going into, you know, numbers and stuff, because honestly I haven't gone in deep on numbers, but um, my goal is just to, um, yeah, basically keep doing it, keep working in it, but more so because the building of a board is very uh, one person, like mm. one man <laughs> in a shaping bay sculpting something. Mm. Um, so you're not really with people when you do that. But I guess my vision is to, I see surfboards going down a, a road of people building their own. Mm. And so my goal is basically to sort of become a uh, like hands-on, one-on-one educator, mm. as in someone who has the skills and can pass it on to you. Yeah. So to come and um, basically learn from me to enable people to have a bit of confidence and gain some skills to mm-hmm. be able to go and do it themselves hmm. that's cool hmm. so do you think that you like it's that what you want to do in like 10 years time or um i'd say i'll probably try to start uh pursuing that into um you know the next one to two years i'll okay. i'll start pushing that a bit more because a lot of people ask for that anyway hmm. um like if they want a board like want a board and I want to come watch or be a part of it Mm. Um, it's just sort of the way surfboards have progressed in the time that people are moving into now like all industries you know Mm. handcrafted artisan and DIY are kind of in (laughs) or people just um, enjoy being able to do something and so it kind of naturally is I guess being implemented into the brand now of more people asking for a board and then them saying, Hey, can I come watch and Mm. saying yes and making it an option as well, you know, come watch and get hands on and build it with me. I also recently made a surfing documentary. Mm. Like why did you want to do that? Um, I always enjoyed making like little films, little five minute surf edits when I was younger and um, so yeah just something that I've enjoyed and I always loved the idea of making a 
like proper feature length film um, and a documentary style one and so I guess it was something I just thought about in my head for a long time and then yeah I just felt strongly at the start of 2021 2021 I was like I'm gonna do it and I'll just commit um, the time to do it and yeah I didn't really have exactly a vision of the story that I wanted to tell Um, I had a few stories that I knew I wanted to tell but just kind of let it grow as I thought about it and, and made it and yeah it was kind of um just something i really enjoy and probably primarily i just think storytelling is really cool Mm. and uh bringing someone's story to the table and telling it i find super inspiring and i think every person yeah like literally any person you could ask them hey tell me something about your life that's molded you Mm. And they'll tell you it's something pretty wild. Like mm. we all have um, really interesting stuff. So yeah, kind of. I just really wanted to tell that story or those people's stories. Mm. That's cool. So were you like ever wanting to make money off that movie, or was it more just like a passion project? Um, I'd say I wanted to make money, but I knew that I wouldn't, <laughs> and so it was a passion project. Yeah. Um, because it's kind. Of, I guess I should probably be, well, it's funny because I'm actually overly optimistic, but I probably should have been more optimistic on, hey, I could make money off this. Mm -hmm. But I kind of thought like, it's the first one, um, you know, and it's your first one of anything. Why would, uh, yeah, you don't have a reputation of like, oh, I'm going to spend money on that because I know it's going to be of a certain caliber. Mm. Um, so yeah, I just didn't expect to make money and it was definitely a passion project because I sunk a lot of time into just doing it because I wanted to Mm. and spent, um, well, as it was super DIY, super budget, but I still did need to buy a computer, buy a camera, Mm. buy microphones, like, um, yeah, it adds up. So Mm. yeah. Yeah, I was, I was watching it when you were, like, premiering it, and I was actually, like, super impressed by how good it was, like, Thank the you. <laughs> storytelling and everything, like, like, the quality was just very good. Thank you. Do you I think f- that, yeah, what were you so, saying? Oh, I feel like, um, it's one of those things where I do feel gifted in it. Mm. It's hard to say that without, you know, trying to be humble I feel like humility and pride gets blended mm. when people should be allowed to um, say, hey, I think I'm I'm good at this. Like, I have a gift for this. Mm-hmm. And which is one of the things why I really love storytelling because it's sort of saying, mm-hmm. hey, people, like, this person's good at this. Let's celebrate them. Mm-hmm. Or, like, even making the movie, I guess I was just backing myself that even though I don't know much about filmmaking, I did believe... Um, that I had the ability or gift to present like a, like I just felt like I knew I could do it and I could present it in a way that 
would be entertaining. Mm. So yeah. yeah, thank you. <laughs> so do you think that you'll ever want to make more movies in the future? Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's um, it's one of those tricky things where it's like, it's just like, oh, you need a, you need to eat, <laughs> you need to survive, and so trying to turn your passions into something that is financially viable so you can spend time on them is the challenge and so yeah i mean if it was up to me i would be working on another one right now um but it's sort of like i need to um figure out how to yeah survive and Mm. pay rent or do that stuff before i can commit that much time again but i definitely um yeah i have solid ideas in the works that will be another film yeah yeah that's awesome so if someone wants to like watch a movie now can they like watch it anyway or <laughs> uh, looking could, for it yeah yeah <laughs> could uh, you and a lot of others <laughs> which i yes they will be able to very soon um but to be honest like making that film was such a oh, like just took so much of me and getting it done on that day and like I set the premiere I I actually finished editing the film like maybe one day before oh yeah which is not good anyway but that's just tends to be how I operate but um I yeah I don't remember why I was saying that well oh yeah can people see it Mm -hmm. um yeah it was just getting it done was such a mission and then when it was done it was just like oh done like don't worry about that and I had really neglected like my shaping and that business like just trying to get the film done Mm. and so I just switched gears and was like I need to build up like I just need to shape boards again um for what I want to do there and so I definitely neglected like putting it up online for people to see but a lot of people have been hitting me up and I have put it on YouTube and I'm just figuring out a couple of little things and then it will be available yeah and it'll be available for free or good question (laughs) I have mixed feelings if I have to pay for it I'll pay for it like I thought it was that good (laughs) thank you yeah I um, I wish I could do like a um donations based thing i really liked Mm. that about the premiere because i want people to have the freedom to just watch it if they need to but Mm. i also um yeah i also really appreciate the support and it's super helpful especially for how much time i put into it so i'm yeah i'm figuring that out but i i don't know Mm. yeah yeah how was like like did the money that people were donating did that end up covering the cost of like yeah it did yeah so um i reckon i should just be like pretty straight up transparent on this because people be interested and Mm. it's kind of annoying sometimes how behind closed doors the money talk is Mm. but um the to rent the space cost me seven hundred dollars And I think I raised like a, a little bit over two thousand. Okay. 
So that yeah, the place was certainly covered, mm. but the hours I spent and the even like buying a computer and the camera and all of that, mm. nowhere near covered. So mm. it was it was really nice to have, um, yeah, to end up with like a little a little bit extra. Mm. But did I make money? <laughs> Certainly not. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. I think we're moving to an end sweet so final question that i ask all my guests i think we kind of touched on it but yeah do you think that you're doing what god has called you to do um great question (laughs) i'm gonna say um i'm gonna say yes and no Mm. to, to be honest uh and this is my, I guess, my honest assessment of where I'm at. I can't honestly say that every day and every moment I obey um, God's, you know, promptings of how hey, you need to do this. And that's challenging to my personality. Mm. You know, hey, you should uh, talk to that person at the server or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, no. Nah. Um which is just my unbelief that I'm wrestling with. And so not saying that I don't believe, but I feel like in any moment that you disregard something like that or choose to do something yeah, anyway of that sort of nature, it, it does stem from a place of unbelief. Hmm. And I definitely, I can't remember where it is, but there's the, I think it's someone who Jesus is healing and he says to him like do you believe and he mm. says yes lord but help my help my unbelief mm-hmm. and so do i feel like i'm doing what god calls calls me to do it's yes in the fact that i do feel um that i'm like earnestly pursuing and saying to god i'll i'll go where you, where you want me to go and i'll do what you want me to do but in every little moment, do I successfully do it? Mm. Um, I can't say yes to that all the time. And, and, and probably no one really can. But I'm just saying that is for me, it's an honest, it's an honest challenge and something that I am working on and have faith that, yeah, like that guy's saying, help my unbelief God that he'll keep sanctifying me and keep making my desires his desires Mm. over time so yeah that's cool thank you so much thanks for your honesty and yeah i thought this was really good thank you um so um, if someone wants to get in touch with you whether to make them a surfboard or whatever it would be what's the best place to do that um probably instagram at uh youngcraft surfboards and yeah if you just shoot me a message on there Mm. that's probably the best place and um yeah probably most people have instagram if they don't i'll just say figure out a way (laughs) (laughs) but i'm sure you can in this day and age if you know about me you know someone else who can put you in contact Mm -hmm. but yeah instagram's good because kind of see the person and Mm -hmm there and easy yeah cool thank you so much
No worries. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. This will be the last episode for this year. I'll be back in January with more stories of Christian business people. But until then, I hope you have a wonderful Christmas time and I'll see you in January. Thank you.